If I'm willing to give it away, you cannot steal it. <laughs> and if I'm willing to give it away, it does not own me. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm your co host, Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And coming up in episode 223, we have Trevor sitting down for part two of his three part chat with actor Ben Mathis, chatting about the quote unquote best way to get a job, the four pillars of an unshakable foundation, why being in control is playing small. And having a mindset that will only, oh, you know, change your entire career, NBD, that and more coming up in episode 223, so stay with us. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that you can take right now to help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm all right, man. How you doing? I hope, I hope you've avoided the this bug that's going around. Yeah, you caught something, huh? Yeah, I was. Uh, I called out sick for a couple days. It's pretty nasty. Um, it's one of those ones where, like, you don't really. There's not a lot of coughing or sneezing or you know those sort of external uh, symptoms, but just weak. Like you're just weak and tired and. Um, yeah, I was laid up for a couple of days. Wow! So not much, uh, not much going on in the in the uh, entertainment career <clears throat> arena. I don't have, you? Yeah, I don't really have a lot to report because of that. Okay. Uh, right before I went, well, a couple things, just fun stuff. But uh, one is um, I, I got back on the ice for the first time All since right. leaving since leaving New York. Nice. So since August, um, just a just a. Um, a stick session uh, down at the Toyota Sports Center, which is actually where the Kings practice, which was cool. I actually invited a couple of friends and then ran into a guy that I didn't even know played hockey that I used to work with. And, um, you know, it was really chill and just a, a perfect way to sort of get back into it, get my legs underneath me. That was fun. Awesome. Um, and then the night before that, I went, uh, I had my first um, first workshop at Howie Gold's class for uh, 2016. Um, and you, yeah, your name came up a couple times. I know you've been going to that as well. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there a handful of times, and it's it's a great class. It's it's fun. The actors are really committed and dedicated. And uh, there were we were working on two pilots, uh, and it's sort of the 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 dream situation of that of that class uh, because one of them uh, has like a a lot of uh, Latino characters in it. And <laughs> of the two, that was the one that got picked up the same week. And I got a text from Howie saying, hey, uh, you know, the writer uh, wanted your stuff. Make sure you uh, you get him your stuff because I think he wants to bring you in for one of the roles. Dude, and if I'm not mistaken, you've like, uh, what was it? Na- neighbors? Was that the? No. Uh, life Partners. You, you've, you've had a few kind of things come out of direct that you could probably directly attribute to participating in Howie's class. Yeah, both Life Partners and Broken Horses, two features that I did, were both awesome. from that class. Yeah, wow. And the, ironically, the thing that I was joking about, uh, actually, with the other people in that workshop that night was, you know, uh, you and I and uh, a lot of folks are sort of. I don't want to say anti-casting director workshops, but it's not really, you know, our cup of tea, the sort of pay-to-play idea. And no one gets paid when they come into this workshop, which is one of the reasons why I like it. The two times where I actually booked something, 
it was a result of the casting director associated with that project coming in mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to the producer or the writer or the director. So it'd be cool if something came of this because it was the, the writer, the sh- writer and showrunner who came in. Yeah. So yeah. that would be, that would be a, a departure from the previous incidences. That's cool. <laughs> so you're, you're back on the ice, you're back in class. Uh, last question for you. Are you still uh, seriously entertaining the idea of going back to the East Coast? Yes. However, um, it's just going to take some creative, I don't know, financial management, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's funny because we're going to talk about this yeah, a little we got bit a more later. But great listener question about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just going. Yeah, it's going to take some some being creative. So one of the things that's happening right now is is first. I don't know what reason. Uh, well. There's there's always you know uh, money being cut from arts funding right uh, the the schools UCLA and USC they usually bring me in in February for you know my digital actor workshop they're both sort of backing off and and there's a chance I might not go in for either um, and that's like a you know a big chunk of change that um, I sort of not count on in in February it's not a, it's not like it's I'm not gonna make rent without it. It's just that that uh, usually allows me to do some other things. You know, um, mm-hmm. I've gotten headshots as a result of that in the past and stuff like that. But so this year, I'm just you know really uh, rooting for a nice uh, tax return, <laughs> and we'll kind of see what happens. Like, <clears throat> do you think that them them not bringing you in is is a direct result of some sort of budget cut? Uh, according to their emails, yes. Um, but if, uh, you know, they could be just blowing smoke, like, you know, we don't want to hurt your, his feelings. So let's just tell him we don't have any money. That, that would <laughs> seem so, that would seem so weird. Cause you've been doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, um, so yeah, it's a combination of, but, and then it, in one, in one case, the, the teacher changed as well on, um, the head of the program's not exactly sure what his content looks like yet. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's a, uh, life is an enrollment game. There's been a lot of, a lot of emails going back and forth. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would like to do that at least for, uh, a, a month or two and, um, go back to New York. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and just, you know, just we'll, to audition and play and, play the game over there yeah yeah I, because i just i feel like i had a lot more traction a b um i have an agent there who <clears throat> you know was great and like always pitching me and and c i was building relationships with these various casting offices and in some in one case net well two cases actually networks um and that is a great um, start for, you know, uh, having some traction for pilot season. So I talked about, remember I talked about this on the podcast before, like I came really close to booking the, um, was it NBC diversity showcase? So that means that because I got so far in that process, that means that like all of the executives, all of the decision makers there have all seen my tape or a tape of me acting or whatever, and liked me enough to keep calling me back. So should there be a part for me in an NBC pilot, you know, something that fits me, it's, it, it's a really easy sell for my agents to go like, you like this kid, you kept bringing him back for X, Y, and Z. Um, so there's a lot of stuff sort of pointing to that as being a, a good idea. One more question for you, because I know that you were, uh, gosh, this is like ancient history at this point, but I remember you saying on the podcast a long time ago that you were hip pocketed or working sort of on a, on a casual basis with an agency out here, a major agency, Stone Manors. Uh-huh. Uh, Stone then, Manor Sounders. Yeah. Th- that, I, knew, I knew it was like an S word for the last one. Um, and yeah. then, and then in New York, you also got hooked up with a great agency. So would you be, are, are you still, I guess the question is two part. Are you still working with the LA agency and out in New York, would you be doing a dual coast thing? I, I was sort of, even though I was being hip-pocketed by them, I was sort of, quote-unquote, dropped by the L.A. agency the day I got the offer for Heathers in New York. That happened on the same day. Like, 
I got dropped and I got the offer like 30 minutes before. So I got the, I got the offer. I got the offer. My manager called my agent to let him know, found out that he had been fired from that agency. And then the head of the agent wasn't interested because he was like my champion there. And the head of the agency wasn't interested in continuing to work with me now that he was gone. And then I went because it was like, well, now there's not now there's less from less reason for me to stay in you in uh, L.A. There's a sign if there ever was. One. Right. Um, and then in, in New York. Yeah, I would hopefully I, I would be, you know, um, getting submitted on both coasts. Although, you know, I think the I think something that is happening more and more often, and I've been talking to Ben Whitehair about this a lot because he's he's growing his his network um, in this way, which is to say that the um, the minor markets, like where you go to to potentially work, there's there are not only casting offices but agents in those minor markets, and so he has. I feel like he has an agent in like New Mexico and Atlanta and Portland and. Uh, you know, sort of all over. So I've been talking to him about how he's built up those relationships and how to make that happen. Um, because, you know, it you, you kind of have to pick and choose <clears throat> because, you know, they, they really want people to be local hires for the most part, or it's easier to, to book if you're a local hire. Um, and that that's not always, you know, feasible for everyone. So maybe you're a local hire in, like say you live in LA, you say, "Oh, I'm, I can be a local hire in New Mexico, but not necessarily Atlanta, or something like that." So, you know, <clears throat> sort of figuring out that world. But anyway, applying that to the major markets like LA and New York, like yes, of course, I would love to have either a bi-coastal agency or an LA agency and a New York agency. That being said, uh, you know, my agency in New York have said, "Oh, you know, we'll we'll submit they okay they will submit me bi-coastally, but they don't necessarily have the same relationships." out here that they do in New York. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah. Any more questions, Trevor? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'm done. That's all I need to know. Uh, So we have a great... Um, like comment really from a, a listener named Chris. Uh, he wrote in, uh, and this is sort of a comment I think kind of directed toward towards UAJ uh, regarding our, our some of our conversations in the past episode or two. And he says, uh, "Whomever the guy is <laughs> that keeps talking about money problems." Uh, yeah, he says, you're using the law of attraction in the wrong direction. You need to boast of abundance, not brown paper bag lunches. You are speaking of money with feelings of fear and discomfort. Thus, because you are speaking of not enough money, you are blocking money flowing in your direction. You are celebrating not having any money. So let it go, man. Buy a $5 latte before it's too late. I enjoy the podcast very much. I, too, am a fellow actor. Best of luck. Keep up the good work. Okay, so thank you, Chris. Um, uh, what are your thoughts, AJ? This is kind of <laughs> buy, buy a five dollar latte before it's too late. <laughs> That's so, my favorite part. Of it. That's my favorite it, part of the email. Is this uh, so? So tell like we've obviously done a lot of personal work, emotional development work, leadership work. We're both readers. Readers are leaders. All that fun stuff. So, um, what what resonates with you about this comment, and and what doesn't? Well, nothing doesn't. I agree with him one million percent. Uh, and actually, you know, I talked to you like uh, I talked to you about this before. Like this is just feedback and it's great feedback, uh, actually. And it um, it's an interesting mm, it's an interesting thing to think about when it comes to the podcast itself, because my initial reaction was, oh, that's a shame that that's what, you know, uh, he took away. But it's great feedback for me. Uh, in terms of how, how we, you know, discuss things on the podcast. And what I was thinking is, you know, we tend to, our commitment, Trevor and I have talked about this before, and I hope he agrees with me on this, <laughs> but our commitment to our listeners is to be as vulnerable and transparent as possible when we're talking about our own personal journey on the podcast. And so uh, one thing <clears throat> I will say 
to Chris and to all of our listeners is I'm not, I'm not walking around, uh, with this sort of monkey on my back or this sort of belief all day, every single day. When we get together, when we gather together, Trevor and I to talk on the podcast, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, looking at where we're at, what the feedback is that we're getting in our lives, what is our, um, what's, what's come before, what is going on now and what's next. Um, sort of like a micro version, a weekly micro version of what we do, uh, for quarterly and yearly reviews. And so if this, you know, this has been a, a, a theme, uh, in terms of potential breakdown in what I, what decisions I am and I'm not able to make, but Yes, I buy five dollar lattes. <laughs> like I, uh, I don't necessarily the way that I speak on the podcast with the the sort of the the vulnerability and the updates is not necessarily how I'm going about my day to day life. But I will look at it because you know how we do one thing is how we do everything. So, uh, like I said, I definitely appreciate the the, the feedback. I, I, my question for you, Trev, is do you feel like when we get together to record the podcast every week, do you feel like um, – do you feel the same way, that the way that I just described it, where we're focused on vulnerability and transparency and also that is a kind of microcosm of the uh, you know, quarterly and yearly reviews that we do? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you know, I talk to a lot of listeners and, and – Many of them have said that one of the reasons they enjoy listening every week is is not even so much the interviews. I mean, that's a huge you know value add, but they they said they enjoy kind of following our journeys. And I, I've always that's always my favorite part about you know following an artist. Do you know, I have a lot of musicians or or even like Olympic athletes that I love to just follow online, sort of a, a light version of stalking. And I, I like to learn about their <laughs> their lives and, you know, their ups and downs and their histories and what they struggle with and, and what they're, you know, working on and winning at. And I, I, that's almost to me more interesting than the work that they do. Um, so that's one of the beautiful things about the Internet. One of the miraculous things about the time we live in is that we have the ability to connect with people really intimately. Uh, regardless of, of geographical location. So. so then my next question becomes, uh, when you are following, when you are stalking those people, Trevor, yes. <laughs> if they, yes, <laughs> as, he, he's, gonna, he's like using a voice modulator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yes. Oh, it's not me. It's not Trevor. It's someone else. Right. Uh, when you are stalking these people, do you, do you find that they are, like, is their life always awesome uh, or do they sometimes get, you know, vulnerable about something that's in breakdown? And either way, does it resonate with you as being genuine? And do you do you sort of go, you know, oh, man, I wish I could support them in that breakdown or, oh, man, like I am experiencing that same breakdown or, uh, wow, their life is must always be awesome because they never talk about break. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have a similar I don't want to say similar reaction to, to uh, what Chris had, but rather do you tune into the highs and lows, wins and trials and tribulations, uh, you know, right along with just, you know, finding out what's going on with them in their, in their career or, or what have you. Am I making sense? I think I'm not making sense. You're making sense. And, All right. And yes, yes, I do. That's it. I mean, yeah, that's, that's it. it was a yes or no question. <laughs> yes. 30, 30, 30 second question. One second answer. All right. Well, never mind. <laughs> so, so thank you, Chris, for the comments. Um, I have just a few th thoughts to share on this. I, I think it's a hundred percent legit. I think, you know, the whole idea that thoughts become things, law of attraction, the secret, all that stuff is, is yes, 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 yes. I, I spoke just a few episodes ago about, affirmations that I, I, um, write out every single morning just to put them, like drill them down into my subconscious because what our sub, there's lots of, lots of science on this, but our subconscious is 90% of our, or more of our 
of our behavior. Uh, and that boils down to body language, to the things we say, to the things we think, of course, the things we do, and then, of course, the results we create. So, yes, speaking, making a conscious choice to only speak of abundance and, and in abundance and then follow that up with, you know, conscious action to live in abundance is, is huge. This is where I think, however, the secret movement sort of breaks down a little bit. Uh, this is not 100% um, of, a, of an accurate sort of conversion metaphor here, but, but I think that talking about having lots of money and then going and buying, you know, quote-unquote frivolous things like $5 lattes to, to experience abundance is, is great. Um, but you also, it's also a math issue. So, you know, you have to kind of be responsible to your current circumstances and you have to find that balance. It's kind of like, you know, an overweight person saying, I am fit and healthy. I am fit and healthy. I can go have this milkshake right now. And then they go and drink a milkshake and it's like, well, hold hold on a second. You know, you got to back up your, you got, you got to figure out what your goals are and develop a, a realistic uh, if not, you know, optimistic, but realistic plan of attack and then work that plan of attack, but keep focusing on the feelings and the, uh, and the sensations and the emotions you'll experience when that plan of attack has been completed and your goals are realized. So it's, it's a two pronged approach. So Chris, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you with that small caveat that, that yes, uh, treat yourself to a $5 latte, but you know, budget for it. <laughs> You know, be be responsible about it. Don't just go out and blow your money because you're you're trusting in the law of attraction to bring you a million million dollars next week. You know, you, there's work to be done besides that. And I I'm sure this is something that that Chris you know and um and whatnot because I I I don't want to like uh, attack you or anything like that. I, I like I said I agree with what you said, but I just wanted to kind of put that that in the the conversation because I think that is a an often overlooked aspect of this law of attraction stuff and that's why mm-hmm. i think it kind of gets a bad rap in a lot of circles because nobody talks about doing the actual work besides like fantasizing about about having these nice things and then and then oh let me just act like it and everything just shows up effortlessly yes but also no <laughs> so you know it's a dance it's a balance yeah and i just wanted to toss that in there no i appreciate that i that actually yeah, that, I had that, uh, you know, a similar reaction to that. I just, um, I don't know that I could have put it in, I don't know that I could have put it as well as you did, basically, is what I'm saying. So I, I, I definitely appreciate it. Yes, well, you know. All right, cool. Thank you so much, Chris, for the comment, dude. Uh, love this conversation. Love these, love talking about these kind of things. You know, we say on the show that it's the, we're demystifying the inner and the outer game of success in the entertainment industry. And this inner stuff is fascinating to me to no end. So thank you for the comment. Thank you for spurring the conversation. And if anybody else has thoughts on this, would really love to hear from you. Call our voicemail line, leave us a voicemail via the little plug-in on the website. Leave us a comment on an episode, email us, tweet us, whatever. We we love this stuff. We love it. <laughs> so without further ado, part do do of uh, my chat with Ben Mathis. Um, yeah, guys, it just doesn't really get much better than this. Ben is a fantastic human being, and um, man, that stuff to listen for, the four unshakable, four pillars of an unshakable foundation, why being in control is playing small, the best way to get a job, the mindset that will change your career, it, it's all in here. So I know I say this a lot, but seriously, get out a pen and paper and like sit down and like give this your full attention uh, if, if you are in an appropriate place. Because uh, I think that there is some real wisdom for the ages in here. So uh, enjoy this, guys, and we'll catch you on the other side.
rewind just a minute and go back to that first moment where you said you were at rock bottom and that homeless man asked you for some money and you didn't yeah. have money and you said, no, but I'll, I'll pray for you. And then you right. said we had communion right there in the street. Right. So what was that like? Tell, tell me, did you, what happened there? And I just want to preface this by saying, I don't subscribe to any particular mm-hmm. religious movement or doctrine or anything right, like right. that. <clears throat> and I don't think this is about that. No, when we use the all. words prayer and communion, yeah. it's not about mm-hmm. any sort of belief structure. It's right. more about just words to describe connecting with another human being. Right, right, right. So, so yeah, tell, tell me about that. Well, we, there was cars, right? There was at Lancashire and Magnolia and there was cars waiting and the clock is ticking down, right? Across the street, right? Oh, okay. And I, I think in that moment in my mind, um, I really didn't have anything to give but myself. And I didn't know any other way to give of myself except for to dedicate this moment to to his betterment in some way. And it wasn't going to be with money because I didn't have any. <laughs> and I don't know that that would have actually been committing myself to his betterment. To actually give something that was much more personal and scary to give, you know, took a different level of strength and a different level of courage. And... Stanislavski talks about communion as, I can't quote it, but it's that moment where there's a listening and a receiving happening, and there's that cycle between what you say, what I receive, and how I respond. And and he talks about that communion, and I think so much of our training as actors is in search for that moment. And so all the great teachers had different ways to find that and to try to enhance that experience so that we can practice that experience so that it happens more readily when it needs to happen on set or on stage. And in that moment, when I had surrendered everything that I held dear and was putting him ahead of me, that to me is what courage is. When, when, when courage to me is not the absence of fear or anything, it's the absence of self. Like in that moment, he was much more important than me. And therefore that affected me in such a way. And we had a communion. I had no idea who this guy is or where he went afterwards. And as soon as I crossed the street, I went, actually, isn't that what we're looking for as actors? What if we could have that experience on purpose? What if we could have that experience not by maintaining the safe space of a classroom or the safe space of a set but by actually stepping into danger, that's where we find that experience, actually. That's where we really flex that muscle. And that's where we really step up to the edge and go, what am I really made of? Because mm. that moment there, I, I went, wow, that's very, very similar to the arrival on set, to the arrival on stage, to the arrival in a classroom or into an agent meeting or something. I went, but this is actually it. Because acting and art is all about stepping into danger. And that's where the great things are done. So how can we incorporate that not only into our daily life practice, but into our practice as actors, practice as artists? And this is where I find the communion between art and service. Hmm. They're, to me, hand in hand. How could you possibly disconnect these two things? Yeah. And the other beautiful thing, like I was joking with you a little earlier, is if I'm willing to give it away, you cannot steal it. <laughs> and if I'm willing to give it away, it does not own me. And so when I approach my art and my acting and my teaching in the same vein, which is a space, which is a, a posture of it's an offering, I give of myself much, much more from that place. And also all of the fears about um, competition or comparison or stealing an idea or um, what's going to happen if I don't book it or what will my family think or what is my <clears throat> agent going to think, all of those kind of noise fears, just they go away Yeah, because I'm giving this. You, you cannot control it, steal it, or take it from me. Yeah. This is an offering. And it, it isn't to say that I'm, I'm making a case for not being paid or I'm not being compensated for my work. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the mindset and the posture from which you approach your work at the first place. Yeah. This is an all the way. This is a cause-based conversation. This is all the way. What wakes you up in the morning? What keeps you up at night? And how are you addressing those concerns through your artistry? Yeah. The philosophy that I've been living my life by recently is freely give, freely receive. Yeah, that's how it works. And it's just it really at the core of that, it's just a spirit of non-resistance. Right. And again, it's not about letting people walk over you or no. be taken advantage of, but it's about like, I'm here to offer whatever I can to your journey. And then whatever comes back to me, shit, I fucking deserve it. Like, bring right. it. Like, right, you know, right, like, right. of course, like, why would I resist receiving something 
And then why would I resist just giving it right back? And I can hear us talking right now. And I hear myself in the car listening to this podcast, rolling my eyes, being like, that is so California. <laughs> like, I'm hearing the New York act. I go, these guys are crazy. Like, I I, we are in a room right now where there's surfboards. Now so they're going to do a meditation <laughs> probably or something. Right, yeah. Yeah. Listen, I am like the most practical person in the world. Yeah. And I, I operate in spaces where people are a lot more woo-woo than me. And they turn and look at me like, you're offending me or whatever. You know? right, <laughs> right, like, right. I was in a conversation. Go back to the East Coast. Right, man. right. I'm like, listen, no. This is very practical to me. Yeah, this is yeah. all this will do is change your career. That's all. <laughs> That's all it'll do. That's all. Because how many of us listening right now on the podcast or just whatever it is are making decisions based on a desired outcome? We are choosing our friends. We're choosing our the workshops we take. We're choosing the relationships we have based on a desired outcome very often. And I run across a lot of actors. The first question they ask me is, well, how's your class or how's your approach going to get me a job? And I went, the way it's going to get you a job is by reversing your need for the job. Wow. Yeah. Right there. That tells you a lot about an actor's mindset. Well, yeah, right you, there, I mean, you tell the me question. the last audition you went on, um, were, were you, you know, when you were obsessed about booking the job or you get the sides and immediately some, some people get a side you know, they get a co-star side and they've already won the Academy Award as you know, they get that side and the fantasy machine goes and, and when they <laughs> yeah. start planning immediately, this is how this is going to go. They mm-hmm. start mapping out how this, how I'm going to read it, how it's going to sound. And they're they're already managing effects before they've even investigated cause. Yeah. And and they get in there and they hope they can execute the way they planned it. And then we hear language like leave it at the door and just go in, but plan it out, leave it at the door. And you know, we hear all sorts of objectives and all this kind of effect-based work and uh, you tell me, are you freest when that is released or are you freest when you are trying to manage expectations and manage results? If you're trying to manage something, you cannot create something. And it's a slightly different mindset. And so when, when we really tap into that and we, we live in this kind of strange paradox where the likelihood that I'm going to book a job increases when I decrease my need for booking the job. Mm-hmm. And we you always kinda, book the stuff you don't care right, about, right? Right. Yeah. And, and we kind of have a, an anecdotal understanding of this. But what I'm saying is that that is a causative approach to art. It is not just, oh, you know, someone called it uh, the fuck it adjustment or something. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, just fuck it. Get the job. That's not it. Because even the quote fuck it adjustment is designed to help you get the job. You have to actually care more about something. You have to actually care more about process, care more about artistry, care more about humanity. And then when you walk into that space, we discover that the actor is free. The actor is listening. The actor is spontaneous. The actor is in a state of discovery, not in a place where they are managing how it should go. And you just ask yourself, the last time you had an amazing experience in the audition room, were you in that space or were you in another space? Yeah. Um, I was on a plane I don't remember where I was going, but you know how they have the little TVs and the the thing in front of you. And I was, Discovery Channel was doing a thing that Carl Sagan, Carl Sagan, the one the movie was about. The, the, the guy who has the physical disabilities. Oh, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Oh my gosh. I was like, I know it's one of these brilliant guys. Oh my gosh. I just proved my ignorance, which is great. Ignorance is beautiful. So, um, he was talking about the creation of the universe and all these kind of things that are way beyond me and I have no idea about. And he's talking about time travel and things like this. And apparently time travel is possible. So like in um, in Switzerland, where they have time for these things, they're like spinning particles underground really, right, really right. fast. And they're saying, if you were on a train, and this is what he's saying in this Discovery documentary, if you're on a train going around the world at the speed of light... And I guess they know that matter cannot travel faster than the speed of light is what I understood it. And I, I apologize. Famous there's, last words. Right. There's people who really know and I'm not one of them. So um, the, traveling at the speed of light around the, the earth, if you were to stand up on that train and walk forward, you would technically be going faster than the train. So you would be moving faster than the speed of light. And what they've discovered is as matter approaches the speed of light, matter slows down, literally. So you would walk in slow motion going forward because you're never going to breach the speed of light. This is my understanding. I have no idea this is true. But that would prove technically time travel. Okay, so he sets this up. And then he says that science apparently was asked a question. They all got together. All the science people in the world got together and asked a question. If time travel is possible, then that means that that a wormhole is possible, the portal through which time travel happens. So then apparently, like science stopped 
the way he said it like and that to me is freaky because I'm like science has just quit because somebody asked a question like all the doctors <laughs> simultaneously quit science being doctors quit. or whatever fucking out of here right, man we're done because someone asked a question if time travel is possible and a wormhole is possible can you shoot yourself from the future right now we're getting into it yeah. right and everybody yeah. went what I don't know yeah. what I'm talking about well Stephen Hawking uh, claims to be the one who settled this and I'm watching this on TV and Stephen Hawking says no you cannot shoot yourself from the future. He said, the only thing we know for certain in science, the one principle we know that is always true is that you can never have an effect before a cause. Hmm. And I went, oh no, I know lots of actors who think you can have an effect before a cause. In fact, I know a lot of people who manage their careers based on effect and not on cause. Uh -huh. And I just, you know, that was a real aha moment for me on like row 12 seat B, you know, right. and I went, oh my gosh, that's true. You can never have an effect before cause. And that translates all the way into my acting process. That translates into uh, the development of artistry and urban confessional and the way I manage my career, you know, planting seeds instead of setting traps kind of deals. Yeah. And I have found that when that is the perspective time on my relationship to time shifts i'm no longer in a hurry to become this actor i'm no longer mm. in a hurry to get these things i am grounding myself in cause and everything i do recognizing that there can be no effect before cause and to me anybody who's saying otherwise uh hasn't is not as genuine as they could be hmm which is, is the nice way of me saying is they're full of shit <laughs> that is really deep and i love now that you can be like it's science guys it's, it's science. science. It's not me. It's, it's Stephen Hawking. Like, yeah, it's, right. it's not me. <laughs> it's not don't, me. don't shoot the I messenger. did not think of this. I right. really didn't. This is just what's been told to us for millions of years. Yeah. If we would just listen. Gosh, I really, I really love that. So an actor comes to you and says, how is your class going to help me book a job? Yeah. What is your sort of soundbite response to that? I, I say it's not going to help you book a job. It's going to help you create a career. Mm. It's a very different thing. You know, we understand in the in the you know other industries that there's difference between people who have jobs and people who have careers. A job is a gig, a thing I got. Anybody can do that. Booking a job in this town is not hard. As you know, it can happen accidentally, and it doesn't reflect your talent or your worth as an artist. Yeah. Um, having a career and having a staying power built upon you know, for me, a foundation is built upon four things. I build a foundation first on cause and purpose which I find is much more powerful than passion. Because passion, as we understand, um, is an amazing starter. But passion doesn't finish a project. <laughs> passion starts a project. Cause and purpose finish a project. That's my number one kind of pillar for a foundation. Yeah. And number two for me is community. You have got to have a tribe. What we can do together as actors, as artists, as individuals pales in comparison to what we can do alone. And I resisted that so much. I, I, was, I was not a community person, if you would. I, I, I shied away from it. I, I like, I'm more individual than I give myself credit for being. And I didn't really understand the importance of community until I was at the bottom and needed the community to help me back up. Mm. And... You know, in, in any community you're in, sometimes that is an acting class, sometimes it's a sports team, or sometimes it's just your roommates and who you're with that you create things with, that you support with. For me, community means that I would, I would rather fail with you than succeed with anyone else. Mm. And that, that is community. That's powerful. That's what I'm willing to invest <laughs> in, I'm willing to believe in, and I'm willing to celebrate with you. That's when you know you've got a tribe and a community of people you are moving forcefully into the world with. Then for me, the third pillar of my foundation is practice. You need to have a practice of whether it's acting or whether it's yoga, and we have to understand it as a practice, and you have to stay in practice. You have to stay, you know, perhaps in a class, or you have to stay in a, in a practice of some sort that keeps your body, your mind, your artistry honed. Mm -hmm. And then for me, the last and fourth pillar of my foundation is what I would call administration, which is discipline. And the ability to take all of these other things and present them into the world and share them with the world. And the, the ins and outs, not only of how to manage and create a, and sustain your, your, your marketing and all the kind of stuff that we can talk about, and there's, but why? There's plenty of talk about that. But reshaping what discipline actually is, because I'm not a guy who likes discipline. I'm like, leave me alone. Let me do it. But when we understand discipline as 
a, a pattern for improvement, then we can reshape how we approach the administration of our career, which, by the way, is very often related to the administration of our art. And so when we're administering career and art together, I've never met anyone who just administers career and then shows up on set and, you know, they're like, wow, you got here. But when you got here, what, what can you, what can you bring? Yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of web series and, um, you know, people creating their own work, which I celebrate to know. And I think that's amazing, but it's very clear when some of these people have put so much work into like the producing side of it, like making sure that all the dominoes are lined up marketing wise and, and writing wise and like making sure the shoot happens on schedule and things like that. And then their work doesn't really resonate. Right. And you know, I mean, yeah, I'm just one person and maybe that's just my own bias to take on whatever this thing is, but, but I, I see it a lot and I see a lot of actors that are great at that one, but it's like, if you're not putting your energy into the art, and connecting with another human being, then it's just kind of like, what are you doing? It's kind of like masturbation, you know, excuse the term, but it's kind of what it feels like as a viewer. But we would rather be in a space sometimes, and it's an easy trap to fall into because a lot of us will put our energy where we know we can control. And we know we can control our marketing. We know we can control our administration. We, when we make, because it's small enough to control. Right. And, that is not where the artist should be investing their energy in the things that are small enough to control. The artist should be investing their uh, life and time into the things that are so large you cannot control them. And we should be living for that outcome that we cannot even imagine. And that's what should wake you up in the morning. If you can control it, it's because it's small. Mm. And it isn't to say that those small details do not matter. Of course they do. You know, you're doing great work in a vacuum. That's not it. That's why I say you have to have cause, community, practice, and administration. All of these things are important. But the reason it's so easy to focus and to take another workshop and to read another book on how to become a successful, if I see that title on a book again, 10 Steps to Making It in Hollywood, I'm going, there's so many problems with that. And we're, we're breeding this message into artists around Los Angeles, which is creating the desperation, which is creating the, I'll give it a year and then I leave. And then they move back to Iowa and they're miserable and they go, well, it could have been. And it's like, there is another way. And I, I am absolutely willing to dedicate my entire life so that people recognize that it isn't about that, that you don't have to move back to Iowa. You just have to reshape the way you see this. And then you can have the career you're looking for because you've actually released the need for the career you thought you wanted. Yeah. Which is, it sounds crazy and I, you know, but I've only seen it work over and over and over. (laughs) That's (laughs) why I see it work every single time. You know, and and I, I, I work with people who are series regulars on television and or established film actors and their whole, they come to me because they're going, I've lost that sense. I've Mm -hmm. lost what that was about. And I'm looking for it again, because Mm -hmm. what is the point of having everything I thought I wanted when I realized that wasn't it? My other job is I I head production for a film finance and production company. So I'm kind of the creative element. I'm the V neck to the suits, if you will. It's kind of like how we like to say, and I like that. You know, I, I've been in all aspects of, of the creation of film from development to in the financing and everything to, you know, being on set. And, and often when I'm on set, I also double as one of the coaches for the actors. And so it's mm-hmm. a lot of fun for me. And so I'm kind of operating in both capacities, both as a producer and as a coach. And man, I have worked with unbelievable actors. We were in Brazil shooting for about six months or so, and I worked with unbelievable actors. And even through ADR and everything, and there's a difference between an actor who has a process that is based in truth and service and never arrives, who's never finished, who every single take is bringing something new. And, and because they're living it, they believe it. They're not trying to execute the, the marks and the notes and all these things. They're just, they're messy. They're chaotic. They're truthful. They're in that space. And then there's actors who are really just relying on the director to give them something and just tell me what mm. to do and I'll do it. Yeah. That, that, you just sold your artistry. What are you doing? Yeah. You've now become a puppet and, and you do that for long enough and you begin to believe it and, and life loses a sense of its worth. And so does acting and so does artistry. And so then you go, well, whatever, 
I made a movie. <laughs> I'm an actor, whatever. Right. You right, know? right. It doesn't have to be that way. This can be the thing that fires you up, that yeah. keeps you alive, that when you're 80 years old and you're looking back at the everything, you go, good Lord, that was incredible. I need 80 more years because I'm just getting started. I mean, the best actors I've ever worked with are the old guys, you know, <laughs> and they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. asking the questions. They're like, I don't know. Did I get it? Did I, how is this working? Is this, and they're still discovering things. And I, I dream to be that teacher or actor or listener or producer that when I'm 80 years old, I'm still going, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm still learning. I'm still sucking the marrow out of this artistry. Yeah. Um, that is a perspective that will take us to places we cannot even imagine. Mm-hmm. And that's worth living for. That's worth moving to LA for. That's worth doing it in your community. It doesn't matter where you are. You can be an artist anywhere. Yeah. And that's the beauty of what we get to do. So the high school kid asking me, what do we study? How do we do this? And this is what, this is the life. Yeah. And I don't know if you're going to achieve your quote dreams. I just know that a dedication to pursuing them is better and is your best chance, the best chance you got. Right. And that's yeah. a life, man. That is something. That is, I mean, I mean, I, that is something. <laughs> that is something to live for. Yeah. That is something to live for. And that yeah. transcends and that is so much bigger than the job you did in book or the job you did book. Hey everyone, welcome back for, welcome back from four. When did they change the definition of from the four? Just recently, dude. It's not your fault. Uh, <laughs> sorry, it's a family guy joke. Okay. Uh, welcome back from part two of Ben's interview, which is for you. It is for you. It is for our listeners. Um, I know I am soaking this up. And uh, yeah, you're right, Trev. It's, it's the kind of interview where like, I want to listen to it on repeat. It's very empowering and um, encouraging. So what is your, your pick of the week? Looks really interesting. While we were waiting to start today, I just went to the website here and Googled it. And it, it's like, a, it's, it's trippy, man. Tell us about this. Uh, yeah, so my pick of the week, very simple, uh, very elegant, uh, open source ebook organizer. So um, there was this, oh, I can't remember, I can't remember the website where I found it, but uh, Ben sent me like a list of like really cool free applications for your Mac or PC. Um, one of them was actually, we've talked about it on the podcast before, it's called Flux. I think it was your pick of the week. I love Flux, yeah. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, Flux, I'll make Flux, Flux my pick of the week, and then I was like, oh, Trevor's already done that. They're building they're, they're building that feature into the new version of iOS, by the way. They're calling they it Night are. Shift. It's called Night Shift. There's a yes. little scandal, man. Apple's been denying Flux as an app in the App Store for like all sorts of bullshit reasons, and then now they've got this Night Shift thing, and the Flux yes. guy is like, what the fuck? Like, really? Yep. Yep. So, anyway. Yep. It's not a scandal. It's a giant corporation. Uh, <laughs> That's right. With lots of money. <laughs> with lots of money. Um, so uh, another one on that list was this uh, this ebook organizer called Calibre, and it's an you know it's a great um, whoever designed this. Well, the guys that made this like it's really brilliant because if you think about like the age that we live in, like you know holding a book in your hand and feeling the paper and stuff while it is an amazing experience, is, is slowly going away and, and going digital, just like nearly everything else. Um, so, so great, we're not gonna like, you know, knock over trees and write on them. Um, <clears throat> let's kill this tree and write on it. Um, so, uh, so so this, this ebook organizer, basically it can suck in any kind of ebook format, uh, going back to like the old days of like Palm Pilots, PDAs. Um, and so you can put PDFs in there, you can put, you know, stuff for Kindle, you can put in stuff from, um, uh, stuff from, you know, uh, iBooks, I suppose, and on, on a, uh, an Apple device and, and you can gather it all in and then it organizes it, uh, similar to iTunes, you know, you have these columns and you can organize it by, you know, title or, uh, author or, you know, subject or genre or whatever. Um, and then you can even convert them. So if you have some eBooks from, you know, like say you have some old eBooks from say like Palm Pilot or something like that, and you haven't been able to resurrect them, you can use this app to, to convert them. And then once you have them all organized and converted inside of this application, then you can send them to, you know, whatever device you want to ultimately end up consuming them on. And so over the years, Mostly from Trevor, 
I have sort of collected all of these like digital ebooks that aren't necessarily in like an iBooks or Kindle format, and I've I've started to sort of gather them up inside of this application so that I can um, you know more easily organize them and then um, send either one at a time, two at a time, or whatever to you know whatever device I'm using so I can eventually read them. Yes, yes, yes. All right, sweet. I'm gonna check that out. That's uh, calibre-ebook.com. And we'll have a link to that on our website because Calibre is uh, deceptively spelled uh, in some people's estimation. It's French. So uh, my pick of the week is my pick of the week is a movie called uh, I think I'm saying this correctly. Hero. Hero dreams of sushi. I think it's Jiro. I think it's Jiro. Is it Jiro? Wait, you you watched it? Did they not say his name? In the I I don't remember to be honest. Um, we'll just say Hero. Uh, but it's spelled Jiro, J-I-R-O. So anyway, J- Hero Dreams of Sushi, great, great little documentary on Netflix. It's been top, one of the top-rated docs on Netflix for a long, long time, especially in like the food and culture category. Mm-hmm. And what I got out of it was how powerful a singular focus and a singular commitment to excellence can be. The idea, the, the title comes from this guy Hero, who owns a sushi shop, and it's this little tiny shop in this. And like like by a subway, like underground, it seats like maybe ten people. And this guy, like people come from all over the world to try his sushi, and it's like a hundred bucks a plate or something, even like three hundred bucks a plate. It's something ridiculous. And everybody says this is the best sushi they've ever had in their life. And you think like how like what could possibly be different about this guy's sushi that people fly from all over the world and say it's the best by far. Uh, and in this documentary, it's just all about his mindset, which is like you choose your line of work and you commit to it with everything and you just never ending improvement. And it was just really inspiring. And as I was watching it, I was thinking like, wow, like what would it be like if I brought this level of attention and awareness and excellence to, you know, this area of my life or that area of my life or this area of my career or that area of my relationships and uh, it's just very inspiring. I think it's kind of required viewing for anybody who who has a, a hobby or a passion of any kind. Um, just check it out, and I, I'd be curious to hear what comes up for people. You can find it on Netflix. Uh, it's an instant streaming type of thing, and you can also find it uh, online. You can Google it or head to our website for a link to the official film page where there's a trailer and everything. Uh, just look in the show notes for this episode to check that out. So just to recap, that is uh, Calibre. Uh, an ebook organizer, open source ebook organizer, and then Hero or Jiro, uh, j- Dreams of Sushi. And I, feel I think horrible. that's. Uh, I know. That's all we've got for. <laughs> yes, uh, let's run out of here as quickly as possible before someone calls us a racist. Uh, today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co hosted by your truly, AJ Meyer, and of course, Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrick is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes over at our website, insideacting.net. You can also find us on iTunes and your reviews there, your five-star reviews, but more than that, your honest reviews there uh, are hugely appreciated. <laughs> Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and Viotagogo.com. And thanks to you, our listeners, you know, the ones keeping us going and still listening to this. If you love inside acting and want to maximize its value in your life and career and support the continued production of the podcast, of course, you can sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, and much, much more. Just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that's it for episode 223 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We're looking forward to talking at you next week. And in the meantime, give it away so it can't own you.